Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I am Andy Wood. Join. Oh, we didn't start with Summer Country. No, we didn't. Here. Summer Country. <laughs> summer Country. Summer Country. It's unavoidable. It's Summer Country. <laughs> that's that's Brooks Whelan you hear blasting the Summer, summer Country. country. Matt, and, uh, uh, Kirshen is gone, as still, always. But luckily, we have a very special guest. I'm really excited about this guy. Hello, it's me, Tumnus. He's... <laughs> oh, hello, Matt. How are you doing? No, that's too... That sounds too good. That sounds just Matt. like Matt. Brooks. No, Matt is much more proper. You might not know this. Brooks is a master of accents. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. Oh, hey, it's me, Matt Kirshen. There you go. You're getting, you're getting oh, closer. It's, oh, it's... Oh, Matt's more of a BBC kind of British. Not, oh, not, yeah. Not a lock, stock, and two smoking Okay, girls. yeah, you're, I see. I see. Yeah, you're he's, right. He's less orphan. He's less thug. He's more... Right. Yeah, just BBC. That person speaking is Moshe Kasher, everybody. Moshe Kasher, author of Kasher in the Rye. Yeah. And on TV a bunch doing stand-up comedy. So. Doing, doing been what in I Fallon, do. Conan, Chelsea lately. Yeah. All those things. Comedy Central, other things. Nice, nice. I've been on some stuff. A number of fun things. Shameless. I was just on an episode of Shameless. Awesome. Dude, Dude you... I, heard, I heard that show is good. It is good. Whitney. 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 I was on an episode of Whitney. Whitney, Whitney Cummings' show. Whitney Cummings' show. What'd you, Whitney. What were you on Whitney? What did you play on I Whitney? was a waiter. Oh, wow. Whitney. And um, is that everything? Is that still on the air? Yeah, no, that's a, yes. got a second season. Oh, okay. coming. sure nice. did. Awesome. And uh, VH1's 100 Greatest R&B Hits. Understandable. Oh, VH1's Teen Heartthrobs, Top 100 Teen Heartthrobs. Now, I can see the R&B being more in your wheelhouse, but Teen Heartthrobs, why are you an expert on that? I, were you one of the Teen Heartthrobs, or were you commenting? I was the opposite of a heartthrob when I was a child. So <laughs> I was just a, I was a talking head. And also VH1's um, teen, chil- teen Children. Teen children. No, uh, child stars. Top hundred child, child stars. stars. Where's Where's Jonathan Taylor Thomas on the Teen Heart? He was in fact on the list of. Yeah, teen. he had to be in top five. Yeah, he was in fact there. He deserves to be there. Also, via um, MTV's Money from Strangers. Fuel TV's The Daily Habit. The Daily Habit. Two-time appearance on oh, The Daily Habit. God. No longer a television program. <laughs> anymore. Also did a internet commercial for Carl's Jr. Excellent. Internet only, not television. Internet only. Carl's Jr. That should be your opening. That is definite. Jamie Foxx's Laugh-A-Palooza. Excellent. Oh. The urban comedy explosion. Were you one of the only white people on the show? I was indeed, I was indeed one Excellent. of the only white people. And Did you come out and say... Uh, you you don't scare me. But wait, what does Bernie? I ain't Mac scared of you, motherfuckers. I scared you you motherfuckers. don't scare me. The yeah. yeah, that's the Bernie white Mac version of <laughs> Bernie. You don't you scare don't me. Like you <laughs> fellows don't scare me. I'm you not afraid of you people. Me. You don't scare me. I don't mean you people like you people. I mean like you, you the good audience. People. You nice people. So that's. Uh, I think that sums it up. Wow. And then your book. <laughs> you sure? Um. Try. There might be more. Let's keep going. There could. I was. Uh, I was uh, named a, a, a name to watch by the NBC Diversity. Oh. <laughs> I was, um, I'm, I'm going back into like I, my, because yeah, sure every how, comedian does this thing. How, when they, how diverse is it, is it to be Jewish in the world of comedy? Well, I, I, the way diversity? that I, uh, well, I, well, let me say two things. But first of all, to your listeners, I'm just joking around by saying, oh, of course, things. of course. Hopefully everybody gets that. Yes. But also it's, uh, you know, comedians will do that when they're beginning you're very desperate for legitimizing credits. Of course. Oh, so, so you use credits, you think legitimize you, but in fact delegitimize right. you. I've, 
You know what I mean? I've stopped giving credits because I realized that. I was like, nothing right. I've done is legitimate. Any Anytime yeah. I'm like contributor to a website. Right. No, that mm. makes you sound pathetic. It's I just makes say, you sound worse than just yeah, like, ladies go, and gentlemen. Just say funny from Iowa or Chicago, whatever right. you want. Yeah, if you were Dave Chappelle, I don't think you'd have to come out to 20 different credits. Right. So, I, Well, I think it's, it's actually a thing that happens. Well, no, it happens. I was going to say it happens in L.A. because, but I was maybe you're more savvy in L.A. because in L.A. everybody yeah. around you is doing real shit, you yeah. know? And like the, you might be funnier than a person that's a star on a major network sitcom, right? Yeah. <laughs> at any given time, I, I also think true. in LA people care less because everybody has a credit. I think that's like true. if you're in Chicago and then you have a credit, people will be more excited. But out here, you're like, yeah, everybody's on TV. Yeah. So my first credit uh-huh. was um, has performed at the San Francisco Punchline. Oh, excellent! excellent. That's no, that point. might not even is that my first one. I mean, it, that's how. It gets lower and lower. Well, how's this? How's this? You may have heard him on Sirius XM satellite oh, radio. That's I've a, had that said that's for me. That's the ubiquitous <laughs> credit of all comedians. I have had that said. Oh, go, go, going on triple runs, it's amazing the kind of bullshittery comics will engage in as you, far as credits. I don't inflate my own, but like I have had comics be like, do you mind if I bring you up and say you've been on Leno? I'm like, yeah, because I haven't. Like, I yeah. don't want to lie. I once worked with a guy that was like, uh, we were talking about how sometimes audiences on the road respond better if you have I guess, credits. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if you say you're like on The Tonight Show, they might like be more into it. And I was hosting and he goes, yeah, well, go ahead and say that. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been on The Tonight Show. <laughs> Anyway, Man, the worst is when like you're hosting and then the headliner gives you a printed out piece of paper to read for him like oh, you're like yeah. oh jeez mm. man and then well, I got this one from this dude one time and there was it had been it was so generic it was space and he had written in Ontario improv like he had <laughs> created the spaces for whatever he was doing now, how soon can we start just giving the Probably Science podcast as a credit? How soon is that? I tell people be? not to say it because they're yeah. like, "Do you want me to bring you up to host a Probably Science?" I'm like, "No, I don't want that to be." <laughs> you may have heard him on Probably Science, although you probably have not. Probably. You probably have not heard him on Using his podcast. The scientific algorithm of numerical value. Yeah. The chances are, not, are they're low. non-zero, but they're very close to it. <laughs> yeah. close to All right. But actually, I wanted to say the one credit you should be plugging is your book, which I just bought yesterday, and I'm only, uh, my Kindle tells me 7% of the way through it, but it's great. Uh, Cashier in their eye. It's your memoir leading up to age 16, correct? Yeah, that's right. And it's a fascinating amount of living you got in those yeah, first 16 I pa- years. I packed it in. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Also, I am also writing on a television program called The New Normal, which will oh, debut. Nice. Do I sound like I have a cold, or is that just your you sound, sound equipment? Soothing. I'm jealous of your voice. Yeah, you sound pretty. You sound pretty cool, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. how I do. I go. Hey, do oh. I sound like I have a cold? No, you don't. This is too sexy. Really really is there something the matter with my this voice? What you doing later? <laughs> All right, Moshe. What? Yes. So this is a podcast about science. Let's do it. I am a scientist currently. Andy used to be an engineer. engineer Matt studied math, but he's British. Right. That's so close that's enough. Close enough. It's an automatic doctorate. What are your? What is your background in science? Um, like, in, like, what was your favorite science? My background in science thing? would be. I used to make fake buds and sell them to kids in Oakland oh. when I was a teenager. Nice. We would like uh, do like taxidermy buds, you know, like we would get oregano and you put Elmer's glue in your palm really? and then you would kind of roll the oregano up and then you would, if you were really, uh, and then you get a stem from a leaf. I was going to say, how is there a stem to the you, whole You get a stem from a leaf and you would just insert it in and then if you really wanted to get fancy, you could like dust it. With a little bit of like salt, something crystal, oh, and then so some got... purple thread. You could wow. cut little purple threads and you could lace them in there. Sounds like you were more into uh, like arts and crafts. Arts maybe? and crafts. Yeah, <laughs> that could be right. You just liked like that was the most badass arts and crafts. Like, well, ah. oh no, we would sell them. 
No, I know you would oh, sell great. them. Yeah. But you like, would sell them on Art or Craft. Right, yeah, that's right. On Etsy. Those. We would sell them on Etsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To aficionados. Yeah. So did you ever hear back from somebody after they smoked it? And- you know, we did. And I don't believe this. You know, it's very funny. Speaking of writing a memoir, as you go through these stories you have in your brain as true. Yeah. And then you realize, like, there's no way this story. It doesn't seem like this story could be true, but it's still locked in your memory. Right. Like, for a long time, I remember... I I had a story that my mother pulled a marshmallow out of a tomato, and for a long time I just accepted that as a true story. You know, my mom pulled a there. My mom once had a tomato. She cut it open, and she there was there was a marshmallow in it. Far past the age where that should have been an acceptable logic, but it just was in my memory. And now I realize it was probably my mother trying to fool me into eating tomatoes, which I hate. I've always hated. <laughs> oh, I can't eat them. It's just like, look, there's fucking marshmallows in here. <laughs> you should get into it. Uh, so the story is that we sold some of this fake bud to a fellow named Matt, who was kind of a neighborhood goober. Okay. And um, he came back and was like, that was great shit, man, oh. and bought more. Oh, my God. But, but I find that very difficult to believe. Right. But I don't know. Maybe. I thought that my dad had told us he played uh, minor league baseball with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, and I believe it till I was, I think, maybe 20. Just a straight-up lie? Straight-up lie. I mean, my dad was good at baseball, and he, know, and he knew Macho Man Randy Savage's name was, like, Randy Poffo or something uh-huh. like that. And it's just he knew his full name, so we're like, it's true. He knows his full name. That's all the evidence it's, you we need. You need one little smidge of actual factual yeah. evidence to get one of those stories it's, legitimized. It's That's cool it. that my story is a story about, like, a really creative parenting technique to try to get your kids to eat their vegetables, and <laughs> yeah. yours is about your father, who was a pathological liar <laughs> <laughs> just told you tales yep i guess uh, my closest one would be the isaac newton thing that i've mentioned before which is my grandmother liked to say or someone in the family started this rumor that we were descended from isaac newton which is a nice thing to think because he was sure. arguably the smartest man who ever lived right and then recently like in the last year i just looked him up on wikipedia and found out he died childless so nobody <laughs> is descended that's from funny him. Yeah. You, well you he could have did he have siblings he had he had no siblings, but I mean, you know, he could have had uh, cousins who, you know, it's possible we're related, but does it matter? You know, it'd be right. so far removed. Even saying you're directly descended would be such a tiny percentage of your actual makeup would be Newtonian. In okay. my family, they say that we are directly descended from King David. However, mm. that is a very, very common thing for people to say in the Jewish world. And, and they also mean that it. long ago, they're, they're literally everybody could be descended from, or, you know, the yeah. 75% of the earth could be. Well, have, have you, some blood of his or something. Speaking of science, have you guys discussed the Genghis Khan proliferation of Genghis oh, Khan DNA? No, in the we world? haven't. We haven't. No. But what is, what is it? It's like. Well, I guess it, how it works is that DNA doesn't change or something like that, right? So I'm it, not sure if that's true. Like, well, no, I mean, like, you can find mutations. traces of it. Like, like you, uh, you're a great, 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 great. They'll be able to tell if you're a descendant of somebody or not. That's right. And so DNA. it's like a thing that there's a continuance of Some DNA or something that's within. always static and always true from a lineage. So it never changes. No matter how many generations go by, that identical thing is still identical. And so they found, they did some study, and they found that all of these people in all these different regions had this related DNA strand uh-huh. and so they started like expanding this study I don't exactly remember all the details of the That's story funny. but they figured out that basically from Mongolia to um, like well into Russia and beyond right. were people with the, you know white people Chinese people it's, like all the way across Armenians it says uh, right here 8% of people living like in uh, northern Asia 
like 16 million descendants are from Genghis Khan. Wow. So Genghis Khan has the most proliferated DNA of any person of all time. They assume it's Genghis Khan because it logically makes a lot of sense because Genghis Khan came across that region and he would go to village to village and right. say, bring me all the hot women. All of the hot right. women I get, and then he would, he would put them in his tent. They would all bend over. They know this for sure. Okay. But they would all bend over. They would, they would uh, peel their silken uh, garb and bo- baubles <laughs> and things like that. They would, there would be incense burning, lamb. <laughs> there'd, be, they'd be chewing on lamb. And he the would, women would be chewing on lamb while they're yeah, being yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they used to do yeah, it. Yeah. And he would slide uh, into each of them. And then he just... A, his penis how dir- how dirty does this podcast get? This is dirty oh, as you want. So he would... And, and then he would fuck each of them. But as he was coming, he would just... He was he would dribble it uh, just a drop in each woman just ah, ah I'm Genghis Khan ah he spoke English and they would and no that's probably not it but but it, the beginning part is he would that, save it up so he could spread it across many women and well what it was he would go town to town getting all the hottest yes. most virile most you know birthy kind of women yeah. and he would fuck them all and so he just left this yeah. trail of Khan. Yeah, and then right, right after right after he fucked them all, they would go fill up a bowl with different meats and vegetables, That's and right. he would grill it around this hot. And you know stone. what? It and was that un- is where unlimited. the Genghis Khan girl yeah, came exactly. from. That's correct. Very How weird. did you know this? Uh, I read it in a book. Um, it makes sense. It does make sense. I Interestingly, have... if you've ever eaten at Mongolian barbecue, you also have some of Genghis Khan's DNA. They put that's a little right. in there to keep spreading it. That's very. That's okay. Maybe. Yeah. Is that part not true? It might not be. That so, part might be less true. The bulk of my science information comes from uh, falling into internet rabbit holes oh, and or listening to Radio Lab. So that's most of ours as well. That, yeah. that's, it's called yeah. probably science for we don't claim to have expertise. Most everything we talk about is uh, something we read 10 minutes prior to the podcast, such as this first story where... We just do six stories, Moshe. It's just you don't need to, you know, explain, <laughs> don't explain the, to Moshe. Uh, yeah. Explain to the I'm listener. Here. Hey, yeah. listen, listeners. They found a fucking two-day-old baby beluga whale in Alaska, and uh, it's still alive. And that's that, the song by Rafi, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Um, well, they okay, so they found this uh, male beluga whale, which uh, was not doing well. It was separated from its mother, which they think happened in a storm, and it was only two days old. So they airlifted it um, to Seaward, uh, Seward, I don't know. Cedar Sinai. Cedar Seaward, Seaward uh, Alaska. Alaska. And uh, now that the whale is like, it's gained five pounds. I don't know how much older it is, maybe two weeks. Did you say cunt Alaska? Seaward Alaska. Seaward. He was being polite about it, but that's. Is that really the name of it? Seaward. S E W A R D. Seaward. Oh, okay. Okay. Seaward. Okay. Seaward. Seaward. I live next to Seaward. That's C-word. on me. That one's on me. I'm sorry. I just thought I spaced out and thought you meant it. No, no. They just they brought a they brought a beluga whale back, and usually when whales are this uh, young, they'll die if they're not with their parents. And uh, they've put it on. They've got a feeding tube in it, and they're teaching it how to uh, drink from a bottle. So now it's five feet long, 115 pounds, and it's gained five pounds. So basically, they think this whale might survive, but then there's no way they can put it back in the open ocean because it won't know what to do. It'll be like, where's the fucking bottle? I didn't even know beluga whales were that endangered that this is... It's uh, not that endangered. It's just cool that they found a baby whale two days out. It would have died. 
and it didn't die, and then they kind of saved it. They saved this baby. So wait, why is this news? An animal that isn't it's never it never happens. They like might not die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly. But will have its will killed. It says, it, yeah, I know it's it it's fucked. Again. It said it's believed to be the first baby beluga rescue in the United States at least since federal record keeping began in seventy two. So there might have been like underground. Hmm. Baby Beluga saved. It'd be dope if Rafi released an, an updated version of Baby it's Beluga. Sort of Elton John kind of based like on this. Yeah, like Baby Beluga almost died but was rescued but raped <laughs> culturally. He yeah. drinks milk from a bottle and can't swim <laughs> in the sea. He's not even a whale anymore. Oh man, that was dude. Amazing. That's a ringtone. That's my Utiliza new ringtone. Eliza Skinner could do a two-man improvised yeah. musical thing together. Does she do that? She teaches musical improv. Actually. Yeah, oh, but she is. didn't even crush like Moshe just did. Nah, she Listen, I'm not. We're not comparing our guests. I'm All just of our a very talented comic performer. Uh, Perhaps was, too talented sometimes. to be on this podcast, guys. I'm not going to lie. I have to say, I'm just kidding about all of this that I'm about no, to no. say, but it was really fun to, I almost canceled because I was tired. I was in San Diego this weekend and I just drove up in crazy traffic all weekend. Oh, and, yeah. and then Andy was like, dude, it would really help me out if you could come. It's like we were trying to do two episodes. And then I arrive at their house. I don't know if your listeners know what your house looks like, <laughs> but it's this fucking Dionys- Dionysian or whatever the word is, like Roman villa. And the two of these guys are like lounging around in floaty toys re- in their bathing suits in a swimming pool. Like, oh, welcome. Like It just didn't impart the kind of urgent professionalism no, no. that you that you were trying to impart in that your in your text messages but our manservant showed you the way in that I, is true okay, yeah. i just like getting here early and then annie told me I didn't have any beer and i was bumming so you know what brooks was uh, so this is brooks's country summer he's listening to country bad country music all summer a bad only? listeners only bad like i'm going to see alan jackson next week it's gonna be great because i this weekend have been and i want to get into science oh we will but i this weekend have been listening again he's one of, he, he's an old favorite but his name uh, is John Prine. Are you oh, a fan? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I just realized, again, he's like one of the greatest songwriters of our era. I mean, incredible. he's yeah. the best. He's he's hilarious and incredibly sad and just amazing. So I don't I know. with you on John Prine. I think the best, the current best lyricist is Kid Rock. Singing sweet home Alabama all summer long. I that's did, a, that's the type of summer country I'm into right I d- now. I did karaoke with Brooks and some friends on Friday, and of course it was very summer country heavy. And oh. then Brooks had like a little bit of a breakdown. I did, dude. I was pretty drunk, and I sang <laughs> "Simple Man." And what simple man? Oh, Leonard I'm Skinner. just oh the guy that does oh be a simple yeah character. not the guy who doesn't know the difference between Iraq and Iran. No, no, not that. Do one. you know that song? Uh, no. I think I've got that song. That's a real song. I think I have it on here. Uh, it's part of it's part of Summer Country. Anyway, Brooks, you can't get away from this. Brooks was nearly in tears because the lyrics spoke to him, uh, and then just, just now he's swimming, I was pretty drunk. He's swimming in the pool. Playing simple kind of man again. As I love if he it. Needs so to get good. over that. He needs to uh, get man, through. Does he give you goosebumps every time you hear it? Well, since Friday, I have seriously sur- ruined his night. I, I ruined sur- my night because of that. I have some songs that I can't get through without getting goosebumps every time. Really? Which ones? Uh, God by J- John Lennon. Oh my God! Yeah, there's a few Lennon songs that do that to me. Six Pack Summer for me. By there's the a bastard. there's a Harry Nilsson cover of Randy Newman's song called "Living Without You." Yeah, that's heartbreakingly beautiful he's also my favorite singer of all time his voice is incredible but that song Col- yeah it gets me every time every time colin yeah. hayes just don't think i'll ever get over you uh john prine hello in there 
You know what's crazy? I've been listening to Fleetwood Mac a lot recently and getting like teared up over Lindsey Buckingham songs. Oh, Fleetwood Mac is shit, man. It's Fleetwood Mac. Listening to great. Tusk a lot. What makes you think you're the one? Tusk is great. The ledge. Oh, this weekend, I've been. I was listening to Morrissey's "The Loop." That's the current song I'm obsessed with, and also a guy named Arthur Russell. I don't know him. Is that right? Let me make sure I'm telling you the right name. But anyway. Here, this is the song that says Iraq and Iran. <laughs> I got it on here. It's Alan Jackson. Then we'll do some hard science. Oh, here, here it comes. Here it comes. CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. Goosebumps, guys. Goosebumps. Uh, yes. I'm going to see Alan Jackson with uh, Mike Burns. We're gonna we're gonna really. Uh, that's why I'm growing this mustache, Moshe, for this fucking concert. Summer irony. I don't that's have a lot going on, is what I'm saying. Final recommendation: Arthur Russell, a little lost. Arthur okay. Russell, a little lost. I will check it out. We can move on to science. All right, well, favorite. Actually, I've got a, a favorite whale. Quick, favorite whale. Sperm. Sperm whale. Moshe. I would go. Well, I would go sperm too. It's also my favorite beverage. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I think, are you mispronouncing? Genghis Khan spermatozoa shake at the Is that Genghis one of the oils you can add at the grill? That's right. It's like it, no, it's a smoothie ladle, that you can get. Uh, I think I have to go killer whale on account of I have one tattooed on my body. That's I'm a I got up. I got upgraded to it. The guy was like, you want me to just throw a whale in there? I, I was just like, what? I uh, guess. Just for the sake of diversity, I will go blue whale. Because I, my penis is literally the size of a blue whale's penis, <laughs> and I mean literally, literally. Like I, I, I'm incapable of sexual relations with it's, women. It's oh, more of a God. hassle than or it's transport probably, or even really. leaving my house. That's why you yeah. wouldn't get in the pool. That's right. Yeah. So there would be no get, more pool. It'd just be an empty. There'd be skateboarders that would arrive the moment <laughs> I got in. No, the Z boys. The Z boys. Z boys would have followed me. All right, Annie, what do you got? Uh, well, actually, this, this uh, loosely ties in with uh, a significant part of your memoir on your life, um, which is a uh, new strategy discovered to prevent hearing loss, to prevent acoustic, high-level-of-noise-based hearing loss. Um, according to, uh, let's see, what was the publication that published this? New discovery published online in the FASEB journal, I'm not sure what that is, offers some hope for those concerned about hearing loss based on noise exposure. And uh, it turns out the protein AMPK protects cells during lack of energy and also activates a channel protein in the cell membrane that allows potassium to leave the cell. And that activity is important because that mechanism helps protect sensory cells in the inner ear from permanent damage following acoustic noise exposure. So basically, animals that have high levels of this protein, if they're subject to large amounts of noise, their, their inner ear cells will recover more quickly than those without it. And they did a test where they had two sets of mice, one that had the AMPK protein, one that was AMPK deficient, and they exposed them to uh, damage-inducing levels of noise. They didn't specify. It was probably country summer. They were Seems like a pleasant them. lab. Yeah. Right? Just chimpanzees <laughs> clutching their little ears, <laughs> mice screaming. Mice and Pantera just yeah. blasting. Yeah. So um, and they, they looked into the um, – I guess they could somehow tap into the brain to see how much – sensory from how much sense from the ears was actually making its way into the brain um so yeah i'm sure these mice were not not pleasant to behold their heads were probably cut open and stuff but uh they found that those who had the ampk protein two weeks after testing their hearing was pretty much back to normal after they had blasted this really loud music and those that were ampk deficient remained significantly impaired so so good uh, news mice can dj now mice can dj really cool. this protein yeah so um you know it could provide some preventative strategies for humans or even treatment for quote-unquote earbud deafness syndrome not to be confused with earbud deafness syndrome if you watch too many episodes, too many installments of the 
in a row you'll stop yeah. being able to hear <laughs> because just of the compassion that your ears have for and your disbelief. brain. disbelief. How could he play football and basketball? Right. right. I, I can't hear anymore. Yeah. I'm more of an MVP guy, most valuable primate. That That's the, <laughs> the franchise I'm on board with. The one where Joey from Friends and the Monkey throw our pitchers together. That's where I'm at, guys. Fuck dogs. Okay. Fuck dogs. Fuck dogs. Well, the reason I picked this one uh, is Moshe has an interesting upbringing in that he was raised by two deaf parents. Both of his parents oh, yeah. cannot hear. Real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Is that, I mean, I, feel, I assume it's in the book, so it's not, it's okay to talk about. Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, oh okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Even if it wasn't. But it's a fascinating, I mean, that that's adds so many more levels to the... It, the uniqueness of your of your upbringing that must have been and you can still sign i'm sure because you yeah no i'm totally fluent in sign language yeah and it, uh, do you think that affects your persona at all on stage because you are pretty phys- you do use your hands a lot I think, yeah i you, you know uh, people have said that and i didn't realize it until other people commented on it like yeah. oh, you got all these crazy hand movements that you do and it must be connected right it yeah. seems that it must but i never thought to myself I'm going to utilize this skill set and oh, no, I didn't, sort of I didn't get say into it was that. I wasn't saying no, no, no. I'm just. I didn't even know I was doing it. Is what I mean. I mean, yeah. I just. I have, I. have you ever been to like a concert where they have somebody signing on stage? Yeah. Like, at, like what's do you like? Do you ever just try to focus on that and see what that's like? Uh, I, yeah. If I'm in a concert and I see that, I'll usually focus on. You know, the good. The, the good news is here's the thing that you don't realize. Like, well, one of the funny parts is about being an interpreter. I was an interpreter for many years. And uh, people will come up to you afterwards and they'll go, great job. And you're like, you don't know sign yeah, language. So right. you don't know that I did a great job. <clears throat> but the truth is there's a lot of very bad interpreters in the world. Okay. Like extremely bad. <laughs> Who would just paraphrase? Or like, I just, they're just not capable. They like, don't have the skill set. It'd be like if I climbed up and was like, I got this. Well, not quite that bad. <laughs> not just a scientist comedian right. sort of grabbing his dick. <laughs> but, and I wouldn't grab my dick. country music. What is that word when you grab would, your dick? Is that I would, uh, I think you know what I mean. I would also, I would just be signing Alan Jackson the whole time. Right. I reckon I ran. Yeah, um, but usually at concerts, those people are good because they wouldn't have gotten hired if they right. were just some random person but yeah it's pretty big it's a pretty big bummer when there's a lousy interpreter on stage because it's just deaf people kind of the deaf people know too they're like fuck i'm not getting what's, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, this no, person. they would definitely know yeah it's a pretty big bummer i, I saw a, an interpreter at bumbershoot who was signing the set that the shins were doing and uh they were covering pink floyd's time or one of the songs off dark side that has a really like bleak ending uh, i was watching her the whole time and she had a great little flourish when there was a lyric that was like and then you're dead and then she kind of raised her eyebrows as if to say hmm like yeah. deep shit like what yeah i mean interpreting is an interesting thing if uh linguistically because that that eyebrow thing is a part of of the language i mean sign language is an imp- improvisational improvisational improvised language in a mm-hmm. way it's like 70 percent linguistic right so signs that are actual signs and then about 30 to 40 percent improvised facial expressions and things that you do with those words i mean it's like yeah. just straight up that's as bi- a big big part of the language is a little eyebrow raise as if to say hmm is like legit sign language linguistically that's acceptable yeah. and isn't there a big problem in the community with with um illiteracy because it's not that much related to english it's word-based and it's not doesn't have the same grammatical structure necessarily or well i think that it's deeper than that um you know uh, dr oliver Sacks. now that we're getting into science dr oliver Sacks once said that deafness is the most preventable form of mental retardation which is a very very controversial thing to say but what he means is uh 
that the educational system for deaf people is so profoundly lacking uh-huh. that well, here's how it happens. You, you, my my grandmother had a deaf child, and she immediately dropped everything, went back to school, learned sign wow. language, became a. She was a teacher. She stopped teaching. She went back to school. Became. Uh, she learned sign language. Then went back to school and became a teacher for the deaf. Right. That's your best case scenario. That's is a, a per- huge sacrifice. That, yeah. Is a person who will immediately drop everything, go back to school, learn sign language. So that, that's your best case scenario. That person is still not giving their kid a linguistic modeling for the first two years while they learn sign language. Best case scenario, there's a language gap that's two years. Right. W- more probable, worst case scenario, it, and you'd be shocked how often this is true. The parent never learned sign language. Oh my god! They kind of just—they just don't. They kind of like learn some signs. They learn how to kind of gesture. So the the kid probably thinking they're going to force their child to assimilate somehow or something. There's a myriad of reasons why, but the kid doesn't really get exposed to high level language until like you know till preschool. When those parts of your brain have already solidified that exactly right. So then you start trying to teach them English to read English. And uh, I, I think it was also Oliver Sacks who, de- who described, no, maybe it was somebody else, I don't remember, described a deaf person learning gr- grammar, English grammar, would be like you learning Japanese in a soundproof booth while people showed you <laughs> slides of Japanese and were like pointing at it and God. going, look, it's like Japanese. Because the way that everyone learns how to speak uh, and, and in fact write, more, much more than like learning grammar rules, is you hear that sounds right. It feels right. I yeah, know what that yeah. l- the rhythm of that language sounds like. So you never get you literally never get that. And you only the only way you know grammar is by looking at it and saying this works. So um, yeah, you can always phonetically spell something even if it's horribly wrong. People will know what you're trying to spell. But beyond even phonetics, it's more grammar is actually the problem. Oh, it's I see. Like, what you're saying grammar. So okay. my mom, for example, has a master's degree. But if you read. What you if you read an email from her, it would sound like she was like uneducated. Really? Yeah, that's but, crazy. But if I was interpreting for her, because I was a good interpreter before you I quit to do comedy, those gaps? it's not that you're not filling gaps. You're giving you're giving over. I'll give you an example. Is this? Am I just taking over? Do you no, want no, to no. This, this is this is scientific. This is yeah. really interesting. I, I think our listeners would love this. Okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, for when I grew up, there was no webcams, right? Right. So there's nothing to jerk off to. Right. That's my example. No, when I uh, growing up, the way that you're jerking off in webcams. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the way that I would he cares more about it being seen than yeah. seeing. <laughs> That's right. The way that I would uh, communicate with my mom is I would call a, what's called the relay service, mm-hmm. the California relay service, and an operator would pick up, and they would have a like a a sort of modem based teletype uh, tty it's called teletype that, yeah. machine, and my mom would have one, and I would call on like a payphone. You remember? You remember Payphones, those? Of course. So I would call. You would pick up. You'd be like, hey, it's Andy. I work for the California Relay Service. Who do you want to call? I'd say, call my mom. You'd call her on your text-based thing, and then my mom would pick up on her text-based thing. I would say, hi, mom. Go ahead. And you would type, hi, mom. Go ahead. And then my mom would start typing, and this person would read what my mom was typing. Yeah. So it was an incredibly terrible way to communicate because you couldn't even interrupt. You couldn't have a... but. It doesn't matter. It's my mom. So if I heard some caveman type shit coming from my mom, I could kind of translate. But imagine my mom calls, uh, you know, fucking H&R Block. <laughs> trying to, I don't know why H&R Block. God. Trying to get a job. She, you know, so oh. she's trying to get a job. And, but, you know, what you're the operator is just reading what they, uh, what's on the screen. So I go like, hi, uh, I, I, I calling about working there. Is, 
is job availability possible? Something like that. Yeah. And you just go, this fucking idiot. Yeah. No. Click. Wow. So technology eventually, um, you know, uh, uh, progressed until there were webcams. So this new kind of relay service came out, which is, co- which is called Video Relay, which is what I did for a living for a long time. It was my last job before I became a full-time comic. Uh, and it would be webcam based. So instead of me calling you on your little type machine, I would call you on the phone. You would pick up, and you would have a webcam, and you would call my mom's webcam. I'm from H and R Block. I'm saying I'm calling about the application I just received from so and so, and and you would call my mom on her webcam. She would pick up. She would be signing her native language, so mm-hmm. the language that she was fluent in. Right. You're a professional sign language interpreter who's good theoretically, so you're able to translate to interpret from her fluent in, uh, sign language into so your fluent, fluent English. English. So instead of hi me calling about you, you say hi. This is you know Sarah so and so. I was calling to inquire if you had any job availability right now. I've been working in you know the the tax world for many years and I'm very interested in employment at H&R Block this person thinks well what a smart young deaf lady yeah yeah right. you're hired now I'm wondering do you fill the gaps even when someone's sign language indicates that they're even subpar in their own community in their own native language so are you making everyone sound great because you're Moshe Kasher in, precisely no that is, ex- <laughs> that is exactly the opposite of the job uh, description and in fact that was one of the most disappointing slash real parts of the job is that sometimes you it's it's immoral for me to give over to you the guy from h&r block the impression that the person calling them is linguistically savvy so if it's not my mom but it's a person who's much more rudimentary uh, skills uh, in in language then what i have to do is to impart that so i have to say still sell it with inflection (laughs) and you give broken english you have to sell what what they're getting (laughs) they have to know that they're hiring a person that is not capable of working at wow. their thing. Oof. And that's the deal. But that's you know, crazy. that's a great that's a great just training to be interacting with people constantly as a perform I mean like you're doing a sort of performance all day at that job, right? Or do you not see it that way? No, I mean I guess in a weird way. You know, one of the things I would hate is when um is when interpreters would try to like really emote you know i right. mean it's so annoying because especially because i grew up with it you know i grew up with these men calling me like baby i love you and i'd be like oh, okay geez. i don't i'm not i don't need that i don't need you to it's like making out with whoopi goldberg and ghost you're still making out with whoopi goldberg <laughs> right. it's not suddenly but yeah, the worst thing would be like when people would be like somebody be crying on screen and i, I what i would how i would do it someone's uh-huh. crying on screen talking to their boyfriend i would say i would get real quiet and deliberate and say i'm just feeling really emotional right now i'm crying i would say that wow. that was my choice that i made in yeah. that in that i was like i'm just crying right now i'm so upset did it ever oh, actually the, get to you did it ever make you cry once in a while there'd be cry? Some, never cry but i've seen some shit we could talk about yeah. that but Sorry, then man. the person next to me would be like you know some other person in the cubicle over at cubicles unfortunately would be like i would listen to them they'd be like, oh, i can't believe it you and i was just oh, like just no. fucking stop it no no like, no, no, no this no. is about you and your performance right yeah yikes uh so both your parents were deaf like was there uh what well, was there any like um like uh what were the odds of you being deaf if they had you? Was it was it not uh, genetic based or what was it? It was in fact not genetic based. So both my mother and my father have were born born deaf or went deaf so so young. Nobody quite knows when it happened, but um, neither of them have gen- any genetic deafness. However, this is also interesting scientifically. Mm-hmm. My mother. Uh, my father remarried to my stepmother, who does have genetic deafness, and all of their kids. My brother and I are both hearing because both of our parents don't have genetic deafness. Right. But he married my stepmother. They had t- two kids, 
both deaf. She had a kid before that marriage. She's deaf. All of her kids, all the, the stepsister's kids, all deaf. Wow. Uh, her sister lived downstairs. So my stepmother's sister lived downstairs. She was deaf. Her kids, all deaf. Their kids, wow. all deaf. They had a brother, a man, hearing. His kids, all hearing. All of his grandkids, hearing. So there was a strand of genetic deafness that was running directly down the female huh. line of that family. Wow. That's crazy. There's my mother now. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's not well, a- you mentioned in the book being, yeah, being sort of embarrassed by the... The sound of your mother when you when you chewed through your leash and ran into traffic and your mother yelled for you and right I mean yeah there's yeah. a shame there's a definite did you really chew through a leash by the way well I did in <laughs> fact chew through my leash uh, <laughs> it was out of control this book's great you guys I'm serious there's a lot of you know I mean there's a couple of stories that are combined you know yeah chewing through the leash and then running in traffic both of those things definitely were true Fair and enough. happened yeah. I don't know for sure if they happen on the exact same moment yeah you know that's another weird thing about memory is you're just like you're picking at like strands of memory. You're just sort of pulling strands of memory down from cloud, and you know, from I was on drugs and I was young and all the. So you're sort of pulling these strands of memory, and you're trying to make a cohesive narrative, and that and uh, all the stories in the book are true, but I can't vouch for the fact that every detail of happened and no one's lin- expecting that linearly or inconnectedly. Although, I, funny, I was reading an, a, a one of the reviews of the book was just like I had it was just some lady going and I had a hard time believing that some of these things were true I have a hard time believing that a child could drink a quart of vinegar she just picked a very specific <laughs> thing from the book and was just like that's not that's true that's the one that's thing just, but it's just like <laughs> what that's th- just like uh, this thing not true like it's, what an odd thing to yeah. think you could do and by the way I did drink a quart of vinegar and a bottle of perfume apparently <laughs> yeah that now that is that is true in that I was an infant when it that happened. That wasn't a choice. You, so want, you didn't want mother, to get drunk. You my mother accidental. told yeah. me this story. So I don't know. Did I drink the whole bottle? Yeah. The story in the family right. is that I drank the whole bottle. The bottle of vinegar I drank to try to pass a drug test because I was in rehab. Oh. And it was fucking horrible. I mean, it was the worst thing I have ever did it done w- physically. Did it work? It did work. What does wow. vinegar yeah. do to you that's so I awful? don't know. I guess it's a... Oh, well. I mean, uh, you... That's so awful? I don't, when you, as I soon as it hits your stomach, is it just instant I can't say what pain? vinegar does to you. I can say what drinking an entire bottle of vinegar in one sitting does to you. All right, what? what is so I was, I was in, because I, I had smoked weed. I was in rehab. I was like 13 years old, and, uh, and I knew I was going to get busted. So everybody was saying, there's a lot of tricks. There's a lot of tricks when, for people in rehab. Yeah. There's a million tricks. Cranberry juice, drinking a lot of cranberry juice every day, just drinking water every day sometimes helps. Yeah. Vinegar, uh, niacin is a thing that people take. Obviously, these past, you know, these teas, they have these teas. Um, there's a lot of different tricks. Yeah. Uh, so, or great getting a buddy's piss, you know, right. uh, and doing that. But usually that doesn't work in rehabs when you're an adolescent because there's usually somebody there watching you piss. In fact, one time... A guy accused me of cheating. A rehab guy accused me of cheating the test because I pissed to fill up the cup, used my, you know, what uh, I think the technical scientific term is dick muscle <laughs> to stop pissing, uh-huh. screwed the yeah. cap on, put it down, and kept pissing. And he was like, that's impossible. I was like, no, you're old, and your flabby prostate has fucking <laughs> atrophied to dime. the degree that you can't do this anymore. Anyway, I took a bottle of vinegar into a cafe bathroom with a Wendy's cup. That's oh. how... And I, it was, you know, it was like a medium Wendy's cup, and I filled it up. I remember twice. I filled. Mm. I probably didn't need to drink the whole bottle now that I think of it, but I did. I down the first cup. I was like, I was sitting down, so I down the first cup. I was like, whoa, 
filled it up. <laughs> down the second cup, I was like, mm, whoa. But then I stood up and I walked outside. So from the cafe's bathroom to outside, I puked to the second I got outside. Horrible stuff. <sighs> uh, not regular puke, like some kind of uh, other puke, some sort of. And then I literally spent wow. the entire day in bed in agony, agony. And then I passed my test. Wow. That's crazy. Jesus. Um, all right. One, well, one <laughs> no time. Transition no, that. some, some like that happened. One time I, my family told me it's not, nothing that bad, but I, I was uh, licking gas caps for like an hour that my brothers watched me. And then my dad Whoa. came out. My, brothers, my two older brothers just watched me as a two-year-old lick gas. And then so my dad's crazy. like, what are you doing? Why are you watching him do that? Because they were like six and eight. They know not to do that. And they're just giggling watching me do it. But you're a scientist. So everything worked out. My, co- my cousin's my cousin, his parents walked in on him as a as a toddler, as a whatever you call the age when you're speaking, but barely. And he's covered in a, a yellowish liquid after having just downed a whole bottle of it. And he's saying apple juice. And it was kerosene. Oh, God. Just oh, God. Kerosene thinking so it was apple that's juice. That's crazy. Yeah. My yeah. parents walked in on me when I was four years old. Uh, eating the pussy of a 28-year-old woman. Is that crazy? <laughs> that is and you were going, and you were saying <laughs> apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kerosene. Yeah, it was. Her name was kerosene. Uh, kerosene. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we'll, we'll, move, we'll get back to this t- these topics real quick. We'll just kind of blast through them because uh, what Moshe is saying is way more interesting. But this is kind of cool. We talked about this a while ago. Moshe, these people in Russia stayed in basically a bus, a simulated uh, space shuttle, for 500 and uh, like 50 days simulating a trip to Mars and back. They were uh, just stuck in a parking just structure in, in a Russia. parking yeah. structure in Moscow Whoa. for 550 days and that was it. Now they're going to now they're redoing the study a little bit only it's happening in Hawaii and it, they're not stuck on a bus. It's just a four month study to see what happens if you're stuck to a space diet for that long. Mm. Like that crazy th- that type of food. So six they uh, they picked six people out of seven hundred applicants. So like, people want to do this. I don't know why. Seven hundred um, people. Yeah. So they picked six of these people. They're scientists, geologists, journalists, biologists. Uh, they're from all over the place, um, and they're gonna they're gonna sit in a barren lava field in Hawaii <sighs> and uh, be required to perform all activities as if they were actually on Mars, including including donning space gear anytime they step outside their protective enclosure. Uh, and it's all about this food testing that they're going to do. It's like um, all they can eat is Dippin' Dots, right? Yeah, the whole exactly. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's going to test physical and psychological requirements of providing astronauts with food on an extended space mission that far from Earth, along with testing the logistical requirements of such menu planning. So that's crazy. I don't know mm-hmm. how much they're making, but let's say let's say forty. Each, d- it's only forty days. Four months. Oh, I'm sorry. Four, four months. months they're going to do it. Let's say mm-hmm. you make. Let's do a five. Uh, seven seventy five hundred dollars a month. You're gonna make to do this. No, you say seventy five hundred. Of course not. A month. That's yeah, a no that's a lot of me. money. That's a no for me. Isn't that a lot of money? So you're. Saying I think it's a lot of money for, for like an 30, average person. For thirty thousand dollars, you'd spend four months doing this. Me? No, I'm very wealthy, but <laughs> a person might. I wouldn't. That's not worth. That's it. a lot of money. Thirty thousand dollars for four months. months. Nah, not worth it. Not worth it. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't do it. 
but I know, I mean, I know, I don't know, it's not that, it's not terrible. Four months you get to go fucking hang out in a barren lava field. There are jobs cool. you can get that pay, so that's $90,000 a year. You could probably just work hard, find $90,000 a year job, and then live a normal life. So and I eat see, what you want. I yeah, but see this that you grew, up, I, you grew up very wealthy and without connection to poor people, Andy. No, I don't, you want to look, you pick yourself up by your bootstraps, <laughs> you go get yourself a $90,000 a year job. It's easy, it's easy peasy. I'm not saying it's I live easy. in a Roman villa, oh look at me. Yeah, no shit. If you only knew, could God, no, no. If you knew the kind of jobs I've done last, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Nothing, Andy, why don't you go bad. get yourself a ninety thousand dollar a year job? It's not pick up yourself up, go get one. I'm saying if I cared enough about money that thirty thousand dollars was worth four months of misery, then I would care that same amount about developing the skills necessary to get a great paying job. But uh, I don't care that much. I'd rather do the things I want to do and eat what I want to eat and make a lot less than that. Do you not? Do you think that mo- a lot of those people must have been interested in the study though too? I think I that these people are. Uh, they're all scientists. But you, you made up that number though, didn't Journalist. you, Brooks? Was that the what? actual number they're paid? No, I made that. I right. made that up. They didn't so, say how much. I bet it's. Paid. Le- I bet it's less than that. Probably, but way less than that. Yeah. Um, that for some weird reason reminds me of an art project I once saw. One of the coolest at Burning Man ever. I've been to Burning Man many times. Sorry, everybody. Please don't judge me. And um, <clears throat> the one year, there's a guy. That, it was the bus that reminded me of it. This guy named Dicky. He created this. What he called the Dicky Box. Where the entire uh, um, festival, he was in a transparent house, mm-hmm. so no, the, the walls were gla- were plexiglass or plastic sounds, or whatever. Sounds like David Blaine. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't an experiment in in endurance. It was an experiment in like community and also missing fun, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't he didn't leave the house the whole time, and he was just in his like he had a little curtain he could pull when he had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and people would just come to him and kind of like interact with him through this like a uh, box and sort of like wave to him and uh he just didn't leave the whole time wow. it was such an intense endurance test i felt wow. like what's going through his head that whole t- like how do you da- minute to minute maintain your sanity you think in that well kind of situation? How, how long is burning man real quick so it's we, a week long okay just seven days so it's like um it's but but more it's more about rather than time endurance it's like it's like culture endurance you see everybody around you yeah. partying like on the top level of partying and you're literally just trapped in a box oh, yeah. um but people would he became one of the main art projects that year like one of the most yeah. buzzed about art projects so people were constantly 24 hours a day there interacting with him coming to him bringing him gifts he had like a little drawer that you could un- but he can't really oh. talk you can't have- he could talk i think he had like a you know a holes in the okay. thing like, so like, like a police thing or whatever yeah like yeah, a police yeah. thing he could talk and he could you know receive gifts and um stuff like that but he couldn't leave and he yeah. couldn't go do anything and uh that's crazy it was a pretty intense art project i actually met a girl who became my girlfriend um at the box so oh, it was wow. creating wow. community uh, that's just so one you, small you think that's what he was getting out of it do you think what i mean or is it just that he has one of those art minds where he can conceptual it can justify something because it is art and that can be enough on its own i mean it know? seemed to work as art when we're talking about it uh, years later guess, right. is that what art is that what it means for art to work brooks what what is art what is science guys what is science what's the scientific purpose of art that's a real question that probably i mean it must be some kind of pleasure higher functioning part of our brain that makes you happy a need that right so but you, what does it make you happy does it make you happy does all art make you happy no, d- well, certainly the not art- the artist i think no. one of the great lies this connects to comedy one of the great lies that the world told me was that if I f- sort of followed my artistic bliss, I would find myself ho- like a whole person that was satisfied and happy. Yeah. Literally Not nothing true. could be further from the truth. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly less happy having pro- yeah. 
uh, gone after a comedy career than I feel like I would be if I had just done a regular job. Yeah, this is exactly what I've been thinking about all summer is whether it's worth the sacrifices you make for this kind of life and whether you'd trade it all in a second if you could have emotional, intellectual, physical happiness and well-being, you know, because I think most people really would. I think... Well, well, yeah, I don't know the answer. I mean, the question is to you guys... Um, that Larry Bubbles Brown once posted. Do you know him, Larry Bubbles <laughs> I Brown, do, I old do. school legendary comedian, Larry Bubbles Brown? Um, would you quit comedy for a million dollars? Oh no! Or way. whatever your price point is. Let's I say I wouldn't have a dollar price point for it. Ten no. ten million dollars, no more comedy. No, I'm trying to take a big hit and pay to go full time comedy. I would leave this engineer. I would leave this engineering job to be full time comedy. A billion dollars, don't do comedy. No, because then, I mean, like, well, I feel like, in my mind, I'm like, I'll use that billion You'd, dollars to Jesse, do a lot well, of comedy. Now, my, hold on. My roommate, Jesse Case, is a very funny comedian. I've seen the last comic standing. What's the answer? He's listening. The answer is yes. He would, he would leave it. You would leave it? For a billion? A billion. Yeah. yeah. Of he course. would quit comedy. I, I like mean, I logically, would. yes. A billion, I, yeah, I, I mean, would. a billion, yeah, it's yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah. If you could afford enough methadone to forget you quit. I don't know why you became addicted to heroin and then tried to get off of it and then started doing methadone in this equation. But uh, there's some logic to it, too. But what was the Larry Bubbles Brown? Uh, was he just saying that most comics he know he knows would not? It's just a, it's, it's a conundrum the of the comic is like, yeah. could, would you leave this life that, you know, you you claim to yourself is like all important to you if you just got. You had all the money yeah. you ever would want, but you could not do what you creatively meant something to you. But I think it's not even about, like, would I stop doing stand-up comedy? Sure. Like, does, that's not the only thing that brings me happiness. But if I was relegated to having no creative outlet my whole life for no a billion... Com- no comedy-related outlet. What's the definition of comedy? I, I, is this... These nuts, We're not being very funny right now. Oh, I think I like these that. nuts is... That must be... A I story. like when mm. people are like, oh, you make people laugh. That must make you feel good. I'm like, I, I never even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> never think about the crowd... Well, I think about it in when I try to do the moral math yeah. of is what I'm doing valuable in the world. I mean, yeah. what am, what am I doing with my life? I'm thirty something years old. Uh, I'm thirty three on Friday. I just nice. had my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! And I am a man that talks about my penis for a living. It's like, is this a valuable thing that I'm doing? I mean, where I look at my peers who are, you know doing service work whatever yeah, thing yeah. you know and you go is this valuable or is this an immature fantasy world and then you go no you the comedian brings joy to people i think people. your book is is like is really important too though i mean you tell that story that's cool i mean you that's, have that book that, that that gives this life view that, that would give really comfort important. to people who might have had similar although there probably aren't very many who have similar life but, stories but well interestingly i where i'm at though leaving engineering to be a comedian would be far less I would give so much less to the world. Like if I, where right. I'm at right now, maybe eventually I get to a point as a comedian where it'll be more, it'll be better for the world. But as of right now, fucking nothing. Well, it's interesting. Like, look, even the, I mean, it's comedy that gives something to the world. The greatest comedians in the world, George Carlin and Bill Hicks, the great social commentators of comedy. They didn't give anything to the world, really. I mean, really, in the scheme of things, like, what did Bill Hicks do for the world? Uh, I, I don't know. To me, I, I would say morally, what did he add to the world? Not a tremendous amount. You don't think he helped a lot of people make sense of their world and be more comfortable in it? I don't know. Did he do more for the world than Jerry Seinfeld did, talking about um, fountains, uh, you know, uh, water fountains at the airport? 
I don't. I don't think I so. Bet. They basically did yeah. the same thing. I mean, maybe a little when more. You, when you really get down to it, though, then if you want to talk about the actual utility of any job, almost no job. That's except fair. like basically, then it just comes down to: Are you a doctor or aren't you? That's very. And that's fair. the only thing. No, that's you're valid. right. Every other job isn't because. Do this you work in Ghana? Right. Right. Yeah. No, so. you're right. All right. Let's finish up with that Sorry, story. No, I they talk about menu fatigue. They're okay. worried about menu fatigue. These Have are the guys been, in Hawaii trying oh, to emulate the space diet. Have you guys ever had menu fatigue in your life? At what does that mean? Get fucking so tired of what you're eating every day totally did you ever reach that point uh you're talking about pussy <laughs> yeah pussy i yeah this is switched to butt Cara, Cara, you're talking about kara right now <laughs> yeah yeah that's right it's i'm miss, talking about kerosene i ate that pussy so many days in a row oh, I, was I was like, like if, if i i was like man but was it's like, so cheap <laughs> i was like if i ever uh, mm, if i never eat pussy again it'll be too soon <laughs> kerosene <laughs> Uh, I'm not scared of you. That's what you finished. I am not scared of eating your pussy. You people. people Or your pussies. Andy, point in your life. I've had uh, menu. (laughs) When I was uh, after the festival, before I got the job I have right now, I had about six weeks of downtime here at the here at, at Bluebell Ranch. Oh, the room and room. And uh, there was a house being built that's now done, but it was under construction, so every day at noon, a food truck would come to feed the guys building it, and I'd hear the da 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 and I'm like, all right, that's easier than walking to Ralph's so two blocks away, so I'll get the right. food truck. And I was like, this is pretty cool. I got really pretty good Mexican food 100 feet from my house every day. I just got to wait for this horn. And then after like week three or four, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have... Uh, Carnitas burritos every day for breakfast slash lunch, like, but it, it was good for a while. Yeah, like I had to eventually. I well, I have two thoughts on menu fatigue. One is that I don't, I've never experienced that. I think part of that is because I grew up in California, right? And literally, our menu, even at my home, when my mom would cook, would be literally stir fry, tacos, uh, you know, kielbasa, hamburgers. In, in you know tofu, I mean it was like literally this the most California thing you could imagine, <laughs> like all cultures. Yeah. But I do notice that my favorite changes, you know, like me, I'll go, go on to sushi. Town on something for like a month. Yeah, and, and then I'll be like ah, I'm burned out. I move over to India and go yep. do that for, and I then I that. get burned out. It's very interesting. I and absolutely weird. do that. I'll like I'm really into the orange chicken from Trader's Joe's right now. Trader's oh, Joe's. Trader's Joe's. It's a different. It's traders. a different. Thing. Oh no no no! It's Thank like you, you know how they change. You know, like Trader Jose's will be. For the Mexican, yeah. so this is the Asian main. stuff. They just yeah. don't know English very Traders, well. So, like, oh, come to Trader's Joe's. <laughs> That's <laughs> which what. is interesting because usually the opposite. They drop all the plural. Usually like, they Traders don't have any plurals. Or right. Any, but, uh, my mom, for example, speaking of deaf stuff, will call, always called. Um, she would call. She would always switch things like that. She would call it like Joe Traders or something like oh, that. Yeah, she would always nice. do weird shit like yeah. that. She would call like uh, you know say you know. Less pay, or uh, when she she would sign the words out of order, or she, she speaks, it. but she, she says say she does speak. And I don't know what that's about. Yeah, but that's a thing. Does, um, she, does, does her voice has it has it changed at all throughout the years, or does she still sound like if you heard her talking, that's a deaf person talking? Oh, for, for sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. There was uh, there were these dudes I read that got scurvy in college because they because they ate ramen noodles so much they weren't <laughs> wow they weren't didn't get vitamin C and then like they were fucking like what's happening and they went in and like even the hospital was like we don't know what's wrong Never with you seen and then scurvy. somebody was like they got fucking scurvy man they have scurvy right now like That's doctor funny. said they got fucking scurvy yeah how does this happen an alcoholic friend of mine in college used to say if it weren't for mixed drinks I think I'd have scurvy <laughs> sad state yeah oh but the other <laughs> That's not, a, that's not nice. The other thing I was going to say about menu fatigue is, or tangentially connected to it, is that old people, uh, it's interesting that at a certain age point, 
you stop desiring variety in food. Really? And I don't know if this is true across the board, but All I know it's they true with a lot of old people is that they want slowly the same foods again and again, bland foods day after day after day. They don't. And I wonder what that's about. Is, I mean, it, is that part and parcel with just old people fearing change in general? I get to a certain point, you don't want change in any part of know. your life? Or, I think or you maybe, just, they're, maybe they're taste buds age and they don't, they're not getting as much out of food. I don't know. It could be that. Buffets. They go to buffets. There, there's this buffet place in Iowa called the Pizza Ranch. And uh, right after church, Pizza Ranch is always fucking packed. And uh, the old people <laughs> would fight over the chicken. Like, because they drop a fresh batch. The whole place empties. Get to that buffet line. Get those chicken legs. In where? Iowa? Yeah, this is in Manchester, Iowa. You're from Iowa? Heartland. Yeah. yeah. That's real white shit. That's, That's some yeah. real white was shit. Fucking, people will go nuts for this chicken. It when was, you were growing up in Iowa, did, had you heard about black people? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I had. I had, uh, well, not in Manchester. I didn't have any black friends, but then I moved to Dubuque, and there was like two black kids who went to our high school. It was school. Joe mm-hmm. and Simon. And it, it was. It was two, two people, and I was friends with one of them. And I was so, I didn't know anything. I named my guinea pig, because it was black, Moquisha. Like, that's the most white kid thing you could do. And then I brought my black friend I thought over. thought you were going to go in a different direction. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I brought my black friend over, and I was like, yeah, this is my guinea pig, Moquisha. And he was like, what's that about? And I was like, the guinea pig is black colored or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's not colored, though. We don't see it. Like, <laughs> it has the color of black to its part. You just don't know. I mean, I'm surprised that like, my parents were like, okay, that, you can name Mo- it. That's, Moquisha yeah. the guinea pig. Moquisha the guinea pig, yeah. And, uh, and you renamed it because you realized you're an asshole. You renamed it Nigger Pig. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to make it to the that's final? That's going to make it to the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah we don't edit anything. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not. But well, maybe we should. Uh, do you not? Uh, you, we, look, can, we can cut that. Andy, if I bleep it out, Andy, what are they going to fill in with their minds? Andy, that was a weird thing for you to say. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we should get to one last story at the very least, if not two more, because this is a big week for science. I don't know if you guys heard this in the news, but Higgs boson discovered. I, okay. I, now, I've been talking a lot. Please explain to me what this is and why that's it matters. That's what I was hoping you could tell. We don't really know, man. It's so confusing. They call it the God particle, but that's only because that's what like journalists grabbed onto. Yeah, I don't right. think any scientists really like the fact no, that it's called No, we that. talked it's, about the earlier podcast. The science community hates that it's called the God particle because they're like, no, that's going to turn like religious nuts against right. us. They're like, our whole thing has been manufacturing fake information to try to get people to not believe in God. That's what science is about. Right. That's why I'm on this podcast to stop this bullshit Finally. from happening anymore. Uh, and show us the one true Well, that's kind of what they're saying. Is like They're like, we, those people hate us enough that we're trying to disprove yeah. what they believe. Let's not antagonize them by calling this the God particle. So here's what I spent the afternoon looking through, a few articles, trying to figure out if there's an easy way of explaining to the layperson what, what is significant about the Higgs boson and, and what, what a Higgs field is. Um, so I found the best article I found so far was actually in the Toronto Star, our friends to the north. I believe it's Toronto. It's the star.com. And um, the way they exploit, explained it was uh, – so it, it, everyone assumes a vacuum has, has nothing in it. That's what makes it a vacuum. Um, but 40 years ago, Peter Higgs and um, others realized that the, the state with the least energy needn't be empty. And instead, Is that Iowa? What's that? Is that Iowa? Hey, it was Higgs from Iowa? I think he's British. No, the state with the least energy. <laughs> yes, I think it no, is. No, we're, we're a healthy state. South Dakota probably beats you guys for the No, most. it's not South Dakota either. It's not those like states. I was just making a state pun, guys. I know, I know. Uh, I'm saying the fatter states are like Wisconsin. Least stuff that have like more dairy. Actually, the fattest states are down south. Don't throw the Midwest. That's probably true. Oh, that yeah. is very true. Yeah, yeah. Fuck the south. That's a, we can all agree on that. <laughs> 
Okay, I'd I rather visit. I'd rather visit the that. South than visit the Midwest, though. Oh yeah, it's going to be more interesting. I I would agree with that. What you, more like, interesting. Well, you pick the South over uh, Chicago. No, but that's that's a city. No, okay, use the. <laughs> how about the other city that you? What about uh, oh Chicago and what else? You know Chicago. Well, well, actually, Detroit <laughs> is dope. I like Detroit. The Wisconsin Dells. That's where it's at in the Midwest. That's, that's true. our. That's where we go like on good vacations. Yep. Top okay. notch water. Park. All right. Anyhow, so the Higgs Field um, is is uh, so Peter Higgs theorized that the state with the least energy needn't be empty. It can still instead be filled with a physical quantity called the Higgs Field, and a field is something that can mediate a force. It's much- crazy that the field was. Called the Higgs field. You know and his name was he Higgs. He happened to discover it. Yeah, he's found so it. weird. Okay. So basically, a vacuum isn't nothing. There can be a Higgs field in it in the same way. What's that, the Higgs field? I'll explain in a second. Oh, so okay. Sorry. A gravitational field mediates the attraction felt between two objects, and that's um, so it, you know in the same way that a gravitational field isn't tangible. Um, but I guess uh, I don't know how the Higgs field differs from that. But it would be a, a field that would similarly mediate a new force between particles in the same way that. A gravitational field mediates the force between any two pieces of matter. And what's unusual about the Higgs field is that it costs less energy to have it than not to have it. So although gravitational and magnetic fields on Earth would vanish without our planet to act as a source, the Higgs field can be present even in the vacuum without any particles. So it was Okay, it, hold on. It's still I don't intu- I, I don't intuitively grasp it either, but let me let me try to see if I can re say it. Okay. A gravitational field is a thing that pulls stuff together by gravity. We don't really understand gravity that well, though. It's but a field, sort of, yes. And the way, but the gravitational field can't really exist without being connected to the Earth's gravity. Well, no, gravi- in some gra- weird gravity, way. gravity is a property that mass that matter has, and a matter creates a gravitational field. Like there, for some okay, reason, so the any matter, two pieces of matter are attracted to each other thanks the, to this thing. The called matter gravity. in this case is the Earth. But anything? No, I'm, I'm saying like you don't realize this, but you and I, there is a there's a gravitational attraction between I us. I really realize it 100. percent If we were in a vacuum, if we were when in space, I saw you in the swimming pool with your shirt off, yeah. I felt a strong gravitational pull. Hey, when you were in, when you were uh, talking about this the whole time, Andy, this is all I heard in my brain. Of course, I'm just in summer country, man. I don't feel like this. Thing. What is the Higgs boson field? I don't believe in that. I don't know Higgs or boson. Um, okay, so so I'll but try in to theory, right? The gravitational field needs matter, is what you're saying. Exactly. To be to be, it needs to be pulling between matter and matter. Yeah. But in a vacuum, there's no matter. Right. Right. But there's this other thing, Higgs field, which is like a gravitational field, but doesn't need matter. To attract a shit. Exactly. That's what this article is saying, at least, according right. to the star. Um, to attract a shit. So, not, but not not to attract things in the same way that gravity does. Because um, there's no things. There's no things. Right. But anyway, so they the idea is, let's see, it was proposed in the 60s, um, and it was provoked to reconcile some newfound properties of the weak interactions, uh, those interactions that mediate radioactive decays with familiar properties of elementary particles. So the weak interactions appeared to require elementary particles like the electron to move at the speed of light, which it doesn't, but the puzzle could be resolved if a particle's interactions with the Higgs field in the vacuum could slow it down. So there were things that could reconcile more easily if we could prove this Higgs field exists. And uh, the way to do that is, um, for some reason, crashing shit together at high speeds in the Large Hadron Collider. Oh right, so, the thing that was going to end the world. Right, that has as of yet not will done eventually. It, yet. it will eventually. Got it. So um, let's see what happened last week that was that was so special. So did they, they announce it on like the Fourth of July? It was the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. Let day. us have our day. You <laughs> those CERN European scientists. So they um, 
to to test this speculation, they excited a wave in the vacuum. That's what they were doing, uh, and they were colliding particles with sufficient velocity in that collider that they caused. Who excited the wave? Uh, kerosene. Science. What's that? Kerosene. <laughs> kerosene. It was a chubby nine-year-old had done a cannonball. <laughs> So they uh, they caused the wave to move through the vacuum um, and, I guess, brought into existence briefly these Higgs particles, these Higgs bosons, um, and those are what are helping prove that Higgs fields exist, I guess. I'm not... What does that have to do with God? Exactly. Exactly. It's just trying to get to more and more fundamental properties of physics through through which you can interpolate everything else Is this the unifying factor? I'm not sure if you'd call it that. I mean, is it connected to that idea? What is the unifying factor? Well, like that all of physics is like, you know, they figure all this stuff out, but there's no through line to bring it all together to explain it all like together. You know, why this thing is true and this thing is true and this thing is true. There's a through line through all physics and all science and all nature and all reality that explains everything. Yeah, I I think the more we find things like this, the closer we get to finding. Like, for instance, there's, I believe, and I'm totally glossing this over because I'm not great at this, but... uh, I believe there, there's a theory that eventually we could get to the point where we will find one force that's the only force Bob in Marley. the universe. Bob Marley. Right. Yeah. Well, it's and, and that specifically would be, Bob Marley lion t-shirt. So yeah, yeah. Half him, yeah. half lion. But the, that everything else could be explained as a subsidiary, you know, based on the properties of that right. one unifying force. So, but basically, what happened is we were able to create waves in nothingness, waves in the properties of the vacuum itself. Um, and and that, that's that's what was significant about finding this Higgs boson. So if someone else can write in and explain it better than that to the layperson or to yeah, us, yeah, right it in. would be hard for you to not explain it better. Oh. <laughs> Come on, I'm just kidding. Oh, guys. No, trying. but no, no, but really, Andy. Sometimes when I start hearing stuff like this, I tune about, out. It's not tuning out. It's like my brain it's, it's, hits a wall, and I just go, I just am not smart enough to me understand too. this. Me too. I was. My friend Lily was telling me about something about. You know the waves of dark matter and like how they're not. F- I I just was like I was. I said, I'll explain it again. She explained it like five times. I was like, I'm not capable. Yeah, you're saying it, so that implies to me that you understand what you're saying, but I'm hearing it, and yeah, it's like not happening for me. If you needed help explaining, if you had like a standard like mechanics physics problem, the Newtonian physics, like. Some F equals MA stuff. I could explain that. I understand that. Like when I get yeah. to this level, I have to admit, I can read it and I can read it out loud and I can tell myself it makes some sense. But it's never going to be intuitive. It's never going to be something that like, oh, that makes sense now. Right. Yeah. Let's fi- let's finish up on something that is very basic to let's understand and easy. And it's just that uh, it's coming up where a uh, wolf hunting season is going to go down in Yosemite. Now we're talking. And, uh, Yellowstone. I get this. Yeah, yeah. I know what that <laughs> is. It. I know what a wolf is. I know what hunting is. Yeah. I know what seasons are. Yeah. Uh, Yosemite. Well, this is Yellowstone. I screwed yes. up. Yep. Uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Like talking bears. Uh, yes, that one. Uh, so the wolf population in Yellowstone is getting out of control and killing livestock and elk and like reducing their population. So they having hip hop parties and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wolf pack. Scott Hall yeah. keeps showing up <laughs> sting in the later part of his career. Um, <laughs> What's the connection there? The, yeah. the WCW, there was the NWO and then the wolf pack was the red NWO. What's that? I thought I heard sting. Oh, in that's there. interesting because you're, you're talking about wrestling, you're talking about pro wrestling. Yeah. Oh, interesting because there is actually a hip hop collective called the wolf pack. Oh, really? There was yeah. a, the Wolfpack was uh, headed. It was like K Dog, uh, Sting, 
uh, Scott Hall. We're not talking Gordon Sumner. Yeah, well, the Wolfpack did. The Wolfpack was uh, connected to that song. I got my Vans on, but they oh. look like sneakers. You know that song? I don't know that song. What about Little B, the Based God? You You're guys talking familiar? to the white from Iowa, man. Industry. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You guys know the Insane Clown Posse? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that. <laughs> this is actually like a Juggalo-based podcast. Right. Like totally. under the umbrella of. Well, right. Have you guys heard the song Miracles by? Of course. Sing? Okay. Yeah. Great. Fucking magnets. How do they yeah. work? <laughs> and I will work. defend that stance because literally. You can't really understand how magnets right, work. Right. Like he's sort of right. Like that's- um, all right, so these wolves are killing shit, and so they opened it up last year to where hunters could hunt the wolves. So uh, hicks everywhere were like, "Bout time, bout time." And last year they killed 166, 166 wolves out of the two hundred and twenty animal quota um, that uh, they killed off. 15% of the population and that was through just like archery and uh, not yeah archery. <laughs> uh, I'm talking is about this, I'm sorry is this Hunger Games you're yeah, right, right now no but I'm is saying this... they use bow they could use it was bow hunting okay. which is probably what they call instead of archery uh, bow hunting and um, uh, I think rifles slingshots were those allowed but then this year you think rifles huh I'm looking but I don't, I seems, don't see it seems hard to believe that they wouldn't just go strictly no, bow it is. hunting it is bow and rifle seasons crazy that's the two things that's that insane they, bow and rifle seasons last year and they want to kill more this year uh, so they're opening it up to trapping too and that's oh. where people mm. are fucking up in arms over it because they're like don't fucking that's inhumane like I mean if you're going to kill it kill it don't trap it leave it like uh, struggling for two days, then show up and kill it. Right, and yeah. they're worried that that will catch other animals. It's not meant to catch. Plus, domesticated dogs and shit like that. Uh. So uh, I'm with. I gotta say, I'm with them. Just let more people shoot them with guns. Uh, don't trap them. What do you think, Moshe? What's well, your- I think about this a sort of similar thing that I think about the foie gras ban that recently passed here in California, which is it, it's just human beings trying to ignore the fact that we are brutal, murderous animals. By banning one thing or the other and going like, look, we did the right thing. When in fact, what we're doing is murdering animals, putting arrows through their necks or trapping them or shooting them in the head with a bullet. Right. We're murdering. Right. And I'm not a vegetarian. And I'm not, I eat meat. And I think that this is the way nature works. But I don't know. I'm not for traps. But I don't think that it's particularly on a moral line better to kill an animal that has nothing to do with you one direction or another so i feel conflicted right. but i i I'm just don't i am just like oh i don't want my dog to get caught in that trap well i, I well, that's the other thing that can, can that i'm conflicted about i want your dog to get <laughs> caught in that trap god damn it yeah, i'm sorry she's the best don't let her out in wyoming then and oh, it that's won't... true okay I'll, she, she's pretty safe in my apartment yeah she'll be all right here in la yeah. wait somebody one of them sets a trap in my apartment oh god i yeah. have no wolves or, was... or even more weird like your dog goes on an epic journey from <laughs> los angeles to wyoming only to get caught in a trap <laughs> it's the worst homeward bound ever <laughs> and then your dog for the first time starts to speak and it goes i'm caught in a trap Come on, okay, guys. Like, oh, okay. I got it. Because I, I love you too much, Brooks. Baby. All right, Andy, what are, you, what are your feelings? And then, and then we'll be done. What, what's my stance on the wolves? On the trapping. What's, on the trapping. Um, I mean, I guess I, uh, I'm a little of the mindset that Moshe is, but I do believe that, you know, we, if whenever we're killing animals, whether it's for population control or, or feeding them, whatever we can do to make it less miserable on them like and more sudden is better so yeah right. i guess i'm okay. against trapping things and having them suffer yeah i guess i'm against that yeah. all right sounds good all right uh 
Moshe, do you have anything to plug your book? Get your book? Yeah, get Cash the book. In the Cash in the Rye. available at Barnes & Noble great. or Amazon.com. You can and get it as a Kindle edition. You online. can indeed. I got that. Uh, also, um, I, you should, uh, I'm on writing on this new program, The New Normal, that will be debutting uh, in September. So watch that. It's on NBC. Is that like nice. debuting? It's a, Oh, debuting? Is that how That's it's what? pronounced? I'm pretty I sure there's a T in it. There's a T in it. Yeah, debut. So debutting. And mm, um, I feel yeah, you should feel mm, dumb for mispronouncing that word. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. About um, this one. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, come see me. At, uh, follow me on Twitter at Moshe Kasher. At Moshe Kasher. Yes. Dot Moshe Kasher. Dot com. Love uh, you. And it's with a K, right? C A K A. It's so weird that you said that. It's with a K, right? C A M O S H E K A S H E R. Yep. By the way, does anybody ever call you Motion Capture? Because that's my nickname for you. That's yes, I've heard it before. Way to go. So yeah, and we email us at probably science. I'm going to put people want the country playlist. I would have put that up today. Someone requested that. Yeah, yeah. We'll put up the summer country playlist so everyone at home can get in on the mustache fun. And email us at probably science at gmail dot com. And thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. 